you're one of the most rarest resources on the planet. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work, this is the show. This is the show, don't keep your day job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks to Candid for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. You're one step away from getting straighter, whiter teeth. Take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee. Plus, when you use my dedicated link, candidco.com slash dreamjob, you're going to save 25% on your modeling kit. That's candidco.com slash dreamjob to get 25% off the price of your modeling kit. Candidco.com slash dreamjob. Thanks to Living Proof for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Switch to Living Proof today by visiting livingproof.com slash dreamjob and use promo code dreamjob to get a free sample of their award-winning dry shampoo with your purchase. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. How you doing? Has anyone seen the new Apple holiday ad? It's so beautiful. It's this girl, she's sitting and she's writing and she's sitting and every time she writes a page, she like, you know, does that old standard where she like crumples it up and throws it in the trash. And then um, she's sitting back at her computer and she's printing some pages and the windows open and the pages go flying out into the world and she runs out to go grab them because she doesn't want anyone to see her work because she doesn't think it's perfect and she's not proud of it. And people start picking up the pages and reading it and people are delighted by what they're reading. And then of course, Apple, you know, it says share your gifts. And of course I love this ad. And um, one of our uh, listeners posted it in our don't keep your day job Facebook group and said, this is the sentiment of this podcast. And it is. And it is so important to put everything out there that you feel that you have to share. Um, I think that every day, uh, one of the reasons that we're here in this world is to think of what we have to offer, whether it's a smile or a word of encouragement or something delicious that you can make. And our job is to keep offering that value to the people around us and lighting up our corner of the world. So I just saw that holiday ad and it made me think of you guys. And I hope that you will continue to share your gifts and not keep being overly critical of them because maybe exactly how they are, they could lift somebody up, whatever it is that you can make. So um, what did you do over the weekend? Did anybody buy anything? I'd love to hear like what was your most fun, outrageous purchase if you went through the Black Friday or the Cyber Monday craziness. I went into anthropology, of course, and bought this like really cute sweater and a pair of jeans. I ordered some things on Z Gallery. I ordered a couple of nightstands for our bedroom and some really pretty dishes and stuff. So anyway, it's always fun. Uh, We had lots of people over for the holidays, lots of friends, and I'm so excited about this new tradition of this big Friendsgiving we had. I hope you guys just had an awesome time, and I hope that you're going into the holiday season feeling loved and supported and excited about uh, 2019. Also, did you guys listen to last week's episode? I know it was a busy time. Some of you might have been traveling, but you have to go back and listen if you haven't heard it. We had Josh Spencer here um, and we made a cheat sheet for that episode. And we're going to be making a cheat sheet for all these episodes. So there's going to be one for this episode as well. And these cheat sheets will give you the takeaways, like the best things that we feel were said in every episode, but also will will give you room to answer some questions so that you can think about what it is that we talked about and maybe how you can integrate that stuff into your life. So you can find 
that in the show notes here today. There'll be a cheat sheet for all of these episodes going forward on Mondays, or you can go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and you can find those cheat sheets as well. So I'm really excited about today's episode because this guy is amazing. This was one of my most favorite conversations I ever had with anyone. He's so deep and he's so interesting and I felt so connected. Um, Everything he said was so juicy. His name is Andy J. Pizza. He's an illustrator, a speaker, an author, and he's he's also the host of an amazing podcast himself. It's called Creative Pep Talk. I think a lot of you would love this because it's right up your alley. Uh, Maybe you've even heard this podcast. His show helps you find your creative gift, develop it more, and connect with the audience in the world that really needs it most. I think it's the perfect podcast for pretty much anyone listening to our podcast, so I highly, highly recommend it. So like I mentioned before, Andy's an illustrator and you're going to hear his journey of how he was able to turn his love of drawing into a full-time business. And then he sort of parlayed that into a bigger brand, which is just him being creative and inspiring and awesome. But he's worked with companies like Oreo, Nickelodeon, uh, the New York Times, Google, Amazon. Um, he's also the creator of the Indie Rock Coloring Book and the author of the Creative Pep Talk book. Everything he says is like a burst of color. Um, he's so honest. This is such a a vulnerable, interesting, heartfelt interview. And he shed some of the most mind-blowing wisdom I've ever heard on the show. So I can't wait to share this conversation with you. Okay, before we bring on Andy, let's thank one of our sponsors. Have you guys ever had a problem with your teeth that you've always wanted to fix? Because I have, my bottom teeth are crooked. I wore braces for a couple of years when I was in middle school, but I didn't wear my retainer. And so my bottom teeth are now crooked again. And I have an option that's going to help you. You're not going to need to go through the long hassle of wire braces, and you can do it all from the comfort of your home. It's this new company called Candid. Candid is helping people gain confidence through accessible and affordable orthodontic care. You can get straighter and brighter teeth in an average of six months. And what's even better is it costs 65% less than braces. What I love most is how convenient this is. It's hard enough for us to juggle work and other meetings and family stuff. And Candid makes it super easy for you to fix your teeth without having to schedule extra appointments or even leave your house. Plus, Candid has white glove customer service. Also, Candid only uses orthodontists while other aligner companies use dentists or so-called dental professionals that are going to review customer aligner plans. You're one step away from getting straighter, whiter teeth. You can take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee. Plus, when you use my dedicated link, candidco.com slash dreamjob, you're going to save 25% on that modeling kit. That's candidco.com slash dreamjob to get 25% off the price of that modeling kit. So it's candidco.com slash dreamjob. So without further ado, please welcome the astounding Andy J. Pizza. Hey, Andy, thanks for being here. I am super thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Most of our audience might know that you have an incredible podcast of your own called Creative Pep Talk, and it's a great show. Um, It's been doing really well for a long time. And I want to talk to you a little bit about all the good stuff that you teach and encourage on this podcast. But before we go there, I want to know what brought you to even have this message, to want to share this message, to want to create this podcast. What's your story that brought you to that calling? I'll go back to when I was really little. I was, I what I call it is a chaos Muppet. So like, you know, Kermit is an order Muppet and Piggy is a chaos Muppet and Gonzo is a chaos Muppet. Wow. And when I was really little, everybody in my life, like all of my aunts and uncles and, and everybody would tell me that I was just like my mom. She, she too is just a crazy tornado of chaos. <laughs> and I, when I was really little, like nothing made me happier than hearing that because I thought my mom was the best thing in the uh-huh. world. The only kind of thing that was not so great about it was that 
her chaos could not be contained within a house. And so she ended up uh, leaving us and starting a new family and, oh my God. and, you know, going and doing this kind of whole crazy chaotic mm. uh, existence. Mm-hmm. And so as I got older, I don't think the world loves chaos Muppet teenagers or yeah. chaos Muppet adults. Yeah. And I was not showing up on the test results. Mostly the things that were important to society uh, as they were communicated to me, I was terrible at. And my mom's uh, journey watching like someone like me try to go through adulthood was a profound struggle for me because I'm watching what seems to be my future self mm-hmm. just go from tragedy to bigger tragedy. She ended up leaving her second family, oh my God. getting together with a pretty severely abusive dude and getting into uh, hardcore drugs. And when I was a kid, I was watching this person that I thought, this person is creatively brilliant, super personable, and unlike you know people that are good at math or sports or, or whatever, there wasn't really a clear path for what she could do with this unique embodiment of gifts. Mm-hmm. The path was so vague and confusing and, and hard. And, and I feel like, although she definitely made a lot of decisions that weren't fantastic, and some of them were really poor decisions, I also think a lot of other people don't have the cards stacked against them to that degree like creative people do. Mm -hmm. And I think watching my mom go through that and then also watching high school friends that were more creative than me go down the same roads, the way I always describe it is this kind of pain was like a hole being dug in my heart. And later on, I realized that it wasn't a hole, but it was a well, and it was a well of passion. Mm. So all of this pain produced all this passion for helping creative people thrive because I know the chaos and the tragedy and the downside of creative people missing their their calling doesn't just affect them, it affects their kids and their and their loved ones and their friends and all of that. And so even after I've got a few my first few clients as an illustrator, uh, this was when I was living in England, right out of school. I wanted to move back to the States to help my friends break into their own creative endeavors from the little things that I learned. And when I moved back to the US, everything went crazy and I couldn't help anybody else. And I had to spend years helping myself and, and build a thriving creative career and completely forgot about why I'd moved back to help creative people. And then years later, after I'd built a thriving illustration business, I got back to this idea of helping other creative people in the form of my podcast. Um, I'm so glad you shared that story because it makes so much sense that somebody who has the passion you have would be coming from something that really has a huge why behind it. And there's a huge um, drive to serve this need for other people. It says so much about your, just your composition as a person, like that you got through it all and got through it with like, you know, flying colors and now you're helping other people. And, you know, I just wanted to like reach through this, you know, headset and like give you a big hug. So, um, so impressed with you (laughs) and so proud of you and people should have so much admiration even more so, you know, hearing what you just said. It's beautiful. And I really, uh, I really appreciate that. And I feel as though I have to, in the same breath, just say, 
as much as I went through with all of that, I wouldn't be doing any of the things I'm doing if it wasn't for my dad. I'm extremely grateful to be such a bag of contradictions Mm -hmm. in terms of DNA because my mom's individualism and, you know, authenticity and, and humor and weirdness and all that stuff is there. And then on the flip side, my dad is a really successful business person. Not only is he great at business, you know, I, I don't know anybody that knows my dad that doesn't just admire him as a person because he's such a rock and he's, but he's also funny. And, and so, you know, I think it's funny because growing up, you know, I have ADHD and I'm creative and I'm, I'm pretty weird on my podcast. I'm way weirder in real life. And uh, when I was really little, you know, one of the things that was really healing for me was my exterior was so similar to my mom. And then that eventually became like a prophecy Mm -hmm. of doom when I watched her life Mm -hmm. unravel and it became this giant burden of, oh my God, I'm just like my mom. Like I am in major trouble. Uh, And then, you know, I think when I was about 18 and I started to kind of get serious about life and and, uh, I discovered some things that opened up this idea of a creative career from the ages 18 to probably 22 were the the years where I discovered that, you know, I'm not as much like my mom as I thought. And I'm actually a lot like my dad too. And, And they're both in there. And I think that that kind of realization saved me in a lot of ways. Yep, yep. I want to get into your story more because it's awesome and it just keeps unfolding. But I'm so happy that you took us back to that place. And so you went on to work for amazing, you know, clients like Nickelodeon, Google, Fast Company, Nutella, Oreo. You have been illustrating. You've been creating all this incredible work. How did that happen? So, you know, right at the the kind of peak of my mom's kind of darkest points. At that same time, I discovered screen printed band posters and all that kind of world. And it was like this weird door opened up that I didn't know had existed of creative careers. And all of a sudden I went from seeing myself pretty much primarily uh, in my mom to in these people that were creating a career out of this illustration and design that they were doing. And it really was like the hero's journey of opening up a magical world that I didn't know existed, this extraordinary world. And it was a doorway out of my ordinary life. And so that was kind of the call to adventure of like, I want to do that for a living. And right at that same time, I got uh, the opportunity to move to the UK because my dad was getting transferred there uh, for his job. So I went to the school in the UK for illustration and design. While I was there, it was kind of like, it was still school and I was still not the best at school and I was good at making the art, but all the coursework and and the research and the binders and all that stuff, I still was not phenomenal at. So I think one thing that I always tell students is like, especially if you're doing art is like, you need to make it what you want it to be. So you don't have to do the assignments the way they tell you to. And like your grades, like passing is a big deal, but your grades are not so much of a big deal when it comes to art. And so if there's a project that they give you, you just have to figure out how do you put a spin on it Mm -hmm. to make it interesting to you, to make it relevant to the portfolio you want to build. And the last year of college, they gave us a project where they basically said, invent your own dream brief and then make it for us. And so I came up with this idea for a coloring book 
that would be for grownups that was inspired by indie rock music. So, so this was cool. like 2000, 2008. <laughs> so that was my idea. Uh, it wasn't really what the teachers were asking of me. So I just like to say that I got a D on that project and barely passed my final degree project. Oh, God. But I put it on my website and then a bunch of publications picked it up. It was on like Canadian music television. Interesting. And it was all over the place and it ended up a real version of it became a published book for Chronicle Books about a year after I graduated. And so, so that was cool. part of it. That was one of the big kind of breaks. Yep. Um, and that was all over. The, the Indie Rock Coloring Book was like covered by like Time and USA Today and it was on ease that morning show and it was all over the friggin' place and uh another part of it was that you know i lived three hours from london at the time and it was just kind of about in the early days of my career just like being around so like you know connecting with the blogs and the and the agencies that were doing stuff and and letting them know i was available to do like live drawing stuff and then tagging along with friends that were getting little opportunities and making connections. And I think just being this osmosis of, you know, being around those types of people made me a different person. And so all of that started to light the fuse. I think at the beginning, we don't really think about what makes a good artist or creative person. What's the foundation? I think that we haven't really thought a lot about that question. Like, what's the difference between an illustrator that can break in and an illustrator that can't? And I think that all of the answers you might come up with are like secondary things or auxiliary things or not the deal breaker. And I think the deal breaker is taste. It's a sensitivity. It's like a sixth sense of knowing what's good and what's not good. So it's an eye for a picture. It's an ear for music. It's a palette for food. And so I think from the beginning... The only reason I got to break in was my taste, but but that can also only take you so far. So after I broke in to the illustration world, um, it's kind of that taste slash beginner's luck kind of thing, but that only takes you so far. So, you know, two years after I graduated, after all these great things happened, everything pretty much crashed and, and wasn't going anywhere. That's really important what you just said. I think that that is a prerequisite. I think we don't talk about it enough. You know, I think you have to have great taste. And I think sometimes people are encouraging people down a certain road and they might not have that, which what I think is cool about what we talk about on this show is that's also okay if you're open to being humble and then allowing yourself to be directed to where you do have something that's like a zone of genius or like you're great at. Absolutely. I love that you said that because... When I'm, I've been working on, I don't know if it's a book, I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but a lot of it's going to center on taste. And the kind of first part is talking about how taste is like the prerequisite to, to getting into any different field. And there's a lot of reasons why you might have a predisposed sensitivity to certain types of stuff. And that's kind of the, the basis. Mm -hmm. But the second thing is it's not totally innate and it's not fixed. And the key to it being grown and cultivated is humility. It's mm. just saying, if saying, I don't know what's good. Like, teach me what's good. Listen to yes. other people's opinions. Yes. Soak up. I agree with You this. know what they say, the neuroscientists would say that one of the keys to creativity is openness to experience, which is again, a type of humility of saying, mm -hmm. okay, I don't know what's good. Right. Allowing you know, yourself I, to I'm be always, influenced, I, you know, that is yes. important in every situation. 
Okay, before we go on, we're going to take a quick ad break. I have so many half-empty hair products because nothing I've tried lives up to this promise. But then I found Living Proof. So you guys, last night I went to this party and I had had my hair blown out before Thanksgiving and I had it like a few days. And then, and then yesterday was like the fourth day. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to wash my hair. But I used this Living Proof dry shampoo and I went to that party and I crushed it. My hair looked like I had just gotten it done. It's super cool. I actually have never seen how this works until I was using this product. It worked so well. So it allows my blowout to last even longer because I put on that dry shampoo and it takes away all that like moisture and it makes my hair look fresh all of a sudden. It doesn't look greasy. It's amazing. Plus, I actually feel good about using their products because they don't use any silicones or parabens or any animal testing. Unlike other dry shampoos on the market, Living Proof doesn't just mask oil and sweat and odors, but it actually removes them completely, leaving your hair looking clean and it actually is clean and fresh and ready to take on the day. So do what I did and make the switch to Living Proof today by visiting livingproof.com slash dreamjob and use promo code dreamjob and you'll get a free sample of their award-winning dry shampoo with your purchase. That's livingproof.com slash dreamjob, promo code dreamjob for a free sample of dry shampoo with your purchase. Livingproof.com slash dreamjob, promo code dreamjob. I want to talk about the other piece that we're we're not going to gloss over because it deserves recognition. You don't just have good taste. You're not just talented because you are. You're all those things. But you're constantly making things and thinking about what else you can make and how else you can use whatever gifts you have to serve the world. We have to we have to stop and appreciate that for what that is because I wish that we could teach that to people today a little bit. I wish that we could give people that, you know, that huge permission slip like please don't wait for yourself to get a job, right? Get to work. Start making yeah. things. And not only are you making things, but you're constantly thinking of, I can see it. You're always busy doing something, making something, using your talent. How do you explain that? And how can you help other artists to stop waiting around for the phone to ring and get to work and, you know, plug yourself into that flow and start reaching other people? Because you can So I'll tell you, there's a concept that was introduced to me this is probably in something like 2010. I was reading a book by John Acuff mm-hmm. uh, called Quitter. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how there's a mentality in our culture to be like, we're really in love with this idea of Cinderella and the fairy godmother. Oh, and he, terrible. And, and, and just thinking that we're going to wait around oh God. for the big break. someone to show yeah. up. It, and to see our untapped potential mm-hmm. and explain to us who we really are. Mm-hmm. And I took that concept Ugh. and I pushed it further because I think it's extremely relevant to creative people, maybe more than anybody. Agreed. And I call it the fairy art mother. Oh, it's and, so good. <laughs> uh, and we're all waiting for the fairy art mother to show up and uh, or we're all waiting for Hagrid to show up and be like, you're a wizard. And I always say, look, Hagrid's not coming. You have to look in the mirror and figure out what kind of magic you've got. Nobody's going to show up. And and the reason why I think that we have this mentality in uh, creative careers is because in the past, there were Hagrids. They were called talent scouts or they were called agents. And they were on the prowl looking for people with untapped potential, people that had the next big thing. But the truth is, all these gatekeepers realized, uh, you know, as their margins got cut lower with, you know, the way that music changed or the way that publishing changed or whatever it is, um, or if it's just to save money, that they don't have to expend 
resources hiring talent scouts because the talent rises to the top on the internet. Now, it's not a meritocracy. It's not a perfect thing. I'm not saying that the best win. I'm just saying that if they wait around for someone to prove that they can build an audience and That's resonate right. with an audience, uh, they're a sure bet all of a sudden. Right. And and so there's nobody out there looking for untapped potential anymore. Right. And so you can keep waiting, but Hagrid is not going to show right. up. I, and the only reason I can speak to any of this is because I spent the first five years of my career just, and I still, it's still in me. It's still like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if tomorrow, yes. you know, someone from NBC was listening to Creative Pep Talk and was like, you know what, Andy, get out of the illustration game. <laughs> We're going to put you in your very own TV show. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. And I think I always am trying to silence that voice and just say like, that's called the lottery. Uh, yeah. Winning the lottery is one of the worst ways to acquire wealth. Yes. What I suggest instead is, you know, be your own Hagrid, which is all about self-awareness. And it's all about testing. You know, going back to that idea of taste, taste is saying, I think I know what's good. And Seth Godin would say, the best way to, to, to test that is if you think you know what a good novel looks like, try to write one. Give it to 10 of your friends. And if they don't tell anybody about it, you were wrong. And you go back to the drawing board. And so that's the way that I kind of describe it as you make some assumptions, you do some research, take some guesses about what you think your taste is, what you think your gift is, mm -hmm. take a swing at it, put it out there. And then if you were right, press on. And if you were wrong, then pivot and just treat it like an ongoing science experiment that is called your- yep creative career. And speaking of Seth Godin, when he was here, he talked about how at the crux of anything successful, any endeavor, if it's going to succeed, the thing that makes it succeed is radical empathy. So that mm. when you just said, you know, give it to a few mm. friends and see if they like it, this idea that other people like your work, I wanted to ask you about this. And I saw I love your Instagram. And by the way, you guys, you got to go follow him on Instagram at Andy J Pizza. It's amazing stuff. You'll love, love, love every single post. But one of the Thanks. posts you had, I just loved it because you spoke to this exact idea and you said five rules of doing great business. Number one, Thank please you. yourself, never the customer. Number two, you're most productive when you're depressed. Number three, know nothing of your market or for originality's sake. Number four, earning too little is failing. And number five, yeah. earning too much is failing. And then you wrote in an asterisk, this list is so obviously a joke. So why do so many artists do business this way? And God, this is like the oh, crux man. of so many conversations I have on the show. And every single one of these things on this list that you wrote, you know, please yourself, never the customer. And you're like, obviously, that's is a joke. And then when you say, you know, know nothing of your market for originality's sake, or you're most productive when you're depressed, and you're, you know, you're saying these things as a joke. I realized early on with my music, yes. that's how I came into this world and started being successful was writing music and eventually wrote music for McDonald's and, and Walmart and Kellogg's and started to really make money. And I wrote yeah. happy songs and songs that made me feel uplifted. And people would say, oh, happy music is not good music. Like, like yeah. the prerequisite to making good art is depression, you know, sadness <laughs> and pain. Um, which by the way, my, yes. you know, cheery songs come from a place of, of knowing what it feels like to, to have dark moments. Totally. You know, the, it's funny because one of the things I think that creates good taste is a sensitivity and nothing is more sensitive than a yes. wound. That's and true. so, you know, for me, 
I need creative pep talks all the time. I'm, I'm the person who's in the need of them more than anyone I know. And therefore, it's this whole doing unto others as you want of done course. to yourself. Of it's, course. You know, it's cliche. It's old school. But I'll tell you what, like, I think that's not so much a phrase that is about being nice to people as it is the secret of the universe. I have a wound of needing to be pepped yeah. up, needing to be affirmed, needing to yeah. get new ideas that give me hope about my future. And because I totally understand on an empathetic level mm-hmm. what that need is, I know how to serve it. Yes. And that's it. That's exactly. it. And that's why you, if you're, you know, if you've had a lot of pain, you can right. make some no. happy music from that. You know what's going to pull Agreed. you out of it. That's where the real sauce is. I love know? it. And um, Woody Allen says comedy is tragedy plus time, right? That's what comedy is. So, yes. And that is it. If you get yeah. it, you get it and you do. But let's talk about this because of all the people, I was so impressed to see this coming up in your work when I was like researching more of what you were about. Because mm. when I first learned about you, I wasn't sure that you came at this with sort of like this more holistic understanding of how to be in business and how to understand other people's needs. Because most creative people, especially really, really creative, creative people, sometimes really struggle with this and they're in their own way, big time. So help us understand how we can be creative, how we can be authentic, how we can service other people's needs at the same time. I'll tell you what, totally. And I think this is a great takeaway for anybody doing anything public online. I was introduced to a concept of duality, dualism in in your mind, and this idea that everything is black and white and everything is binary is like our second nature. It's like a when you're growing up, you know, when you're a toddler, you have to learn everything in opposites. It's either on or off, good or bad, hot or cold, whatever. And I think your brain really loves that. It's so simple and satisfying. When I first started getting called out on the internet from some artists that are like heroes of mine, like, and it didn't happen very much, but a few times it happened something like that. The the biggest breakthrough for me in that was 99 times out of a hundred, it's dual thinking that's caused them to lash out. And it's, and I read what they say. And my thing is saying, it's not either, or it's both. Like this is, yes, a, I agree with what you. we're it's talking both. about is a nuanced complicated equation. And I think that what ended up happening in creativity is a lot of the masters were probably speaking personal truth. Like there's a, um, I don't know who said this. It's it's a famous thinker of some sort. And he says the opposite of a profound truth might just be another profound truth. Mm. And I think that what ends up happening with that binary thinking is that some of these masters that laid out some core ideas about what makes great creativity, we made these laws and rules and we made these the binary yes and no. And I think they're hurting us more than helping us because just like what you, like there's a narrative instead of it being a list of rules, it's a narrative. So you're, you're saying tragedy plus time equals comedy. Like, and so in a way, tragedy equals comedy. That's a more simplified version of that phrase, but it's missing some really important part of that narrative. Right. And that nuance is really important. And I hear what you're saying. It's really true. Like with my podcast, I care what my audience is resonating with and what they're not. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it's not authentic all of a sudden. It just means that I want to make the dinner that the person coming over for dinner likes. Exactly. Basically, this idea of being authentic or 
pandering to your audience. Those are the binary dual ideas. They're the two extremes of your, you know, and I think we always think it's one or the other. And I found that finding there are thought experiments in my mind that allow me to inhabit both Mm. spaces really well. And these are where I get the best results. So one of the things that happens is if someone hires me to make a t-shirt, what I've been told is make whatever you want, make the thing that you want to make. Uh, and I found that to be unhelpful and a, <laughs> and a more helpful premise for me has been don't make what you want to make, make what t-shirt you'd like to mm, wear. That's cool. So it's authentic to mm-hmm. my taste. It's authentic to my desire, but there's a difference between making whatever I feel like making, which is about, you know, the process that I enjoy. It's about what do I feel like drawing, you know, whatever, all these fickle, not empathetic kind of springboards to creating something, something that's so much better for me is what t-shirt would you see on the shelf that would just blow your mind and you'd have to buy it? And if I get into that, then I'm getting into an authentic sensitivity, an authentic element of my personal taste. And that I know if I get down to a real truth or a real, something really golden where my emotions are really flaring, I know I've hit something human that, a lot of other people are going to feel. That's just an example of how you inhabit both the space of pleasing an audience as well as pleasing yourself. That makes sense. One of the main questions that I feel like comes up for people, people are always saying to me, you know, it's not happening. It's not, it's, it's not going to happen. And then I turn around and I'm like, well, how much are you doing? How much are you actually doing? And yeah. I think the reason people are not sitting at the piano longer or taking out the paintbrushes more often is because they have such a feeling of inadequacy. It's really a bummer to be creative because we don't let ourselves mm. be messy and scrappy. I loved when another thing that Seth Godin said was we have to have the courage to make mediocre things so that we can make eventually brilliant things. Yeah. So I want to know in your own words how you inspire people to get busy being creative and to know that it is possible and they should just get to work. And like, how do you convince them of that when they're so stuck in this, like, I'm not good enough and it'll probably never happen anyway. And I don't have anything good to make when they're feeling unfulfilled. I'll give you two kind of big hurdles that can be deconstructed from you putting in the time and energy necessary to actually get results that you're looking for. And so one is, This is probably not, this might be just a healthy reminder to a lot of your listeners because I think it's permeated the culture in such a pervasive way, which is fantastic. Uh, This idea of the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. But I think when it comes to creativity, the fixed mindset is so pervasive and and debilitating because the fixed mindset just says um, you're either born with it or you don't have it. And so, and the growth mindset says all of your talent, skills, you know, smarts, all that can be cultivated, grown, stretched. And yeah, you have some predispositions and strengths and weaknesses, but ultimately you're really malleable and your and time and energy spent doing something can improve your ability to do it. And so I think for me, in the early part of my journey, I spent so much time either trying to prove that I had what it took or second guessing that I that uh, if that I didn't have it and just worrying like what if I'm like 
spending all, what if I spend three hours on, on this song and I'm just not meant to be a songwriter? Like what if I'm, you know, so I was just constantly overwhelmed with doubt. And I think it's like, uh, one of the things I say is often your gift is developed on the search to find it. So if you're not digging, if you're not searching, if you're not uh, working, you'll never have your gift because it, it's the search that develops it. It's the work that yep. develops it. And, you know, even it, there have been plenty of times also that I've been working outside of my core competencies, working outside of my true gifting that end up being a secret sauce to the, the, my true talent and gifts later mm-hmm. in life. You know, there are a lot of side quests is what I call them that once I do find my sweet spot, end up being a differentiator and a yep. niche. Um, if that makes sense without going into crazy detail. Yep. No, it does um, make sense. So one thing I think that you've got to do is you've got to accept that it's just going to take a lot of time. If you're constantly worried about productivity, meaning what's the payoff right, 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 right. to this stuff that I'm doing, you will never get into what John Cleese calls the open mode. So the open mode is creativity. The closed mode is productivity. Um, it's kind of like executing oh, God, a task. God, I love this. This makes so much sense. Oh, it's, it's such a key. I'll give you an example. So there's this book that I have. It's kind of like a young adult book, maybe even a little bit younger than that. But it's a chapter book. It's a fantasy book. And I've been kind of working on it in my mind over the past uh, eight years or so. And I've never written it because... I don't, I constantly am just like, I don't really know if I have what it takes to Mm -hmm. be a writer. And so when I would go to write it, I would instantly go into, is this a productive use of my time? Like, am I wasting my time? And because I'm in the mode of execution, in the mode of productivity, I'm not in the mode of play. I'm not in the mode of creativity. And the writing ends up suffering anyway, right? So what actually broke that loose for me is, my, my son, who is six, and he just exploded in his reading capabilities. He's just ravenous reader for some reason. I think he gets it from his mom. Mm-hmm. And I, one car journey we were on, I decided I was trying to keep him captivated and entertain him. And I started telling him this story that I had in my mind. And he was like, oh, man, dad, this should be a real book. I want to read this book. And I was like, oh. I was like, okay. So I decided recently that I'm just going to start writing it a little bit each day with no plans to publish it and only plans to have a good time while I'm writing it in hopes that I can please my son to make him like, what can I do in this, in this chapter? Or what can I say that he's going to be like, oh man, that's so cool. Or that was so funny or whatever. And that kind of loosening of the need to have a payoff. There's a million tricks that you can play on yourself to get in that headspace of play instead of work. I love that. Uh, And I think that if you don't, you will never, you'll never get where you want to go anyway. So it doesn't matter how much time you spend. Um, John Cleese said, because as soon as you start having to be productive with your creativity, like as soon as it's a career, as soon as you're having to play for money, uh, it becomes a really tricky task uh, to, to pull off. And what he did when he was writing Monty, Monty Python that was really successful was that, you know, when he would go into that three-hour block you're talking about and say, I've got, I'm not even going to do it unless I know at mm-hmm. the end of this I'm going to have uh, this thing that I need. Right. 
and he changed the goal. So he would say, I'm going to spend the next two hours writing on Monty Python, but the only goal, the only prerequisite or the only thing that I have to hit the finish line with is that I had a good time doing That's it. That's cool. And at, at the end of this session, there's nothing that's going to make it into the show that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that I'm going to have a blast in the next two hours. Yep. And you you link enough of those sessions in a chain and you will have some real gold. Yep. It's really, really yeah. cool. I mean, gosh, there's so many more things that we could talk about because I still want to know like how you went from doing what you were doing, but then you got into, you know, Nickelodeon and Google. Like, I want to know how you did that. And you've done a really great job of building an audience. And um, that's another thing that I had a question for you about. Like, how do you think that you've been able to grow this audience on Instagram and on, on your podcast and, and everything else? Sure. So I'll just say uh, you're in luck because I have an answer to all of those questions. That's the same answer. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, in terms of uh, how did you break into working with these clients, how, you know, all, all the stuff that you asked. Um, and I think my favorite metaphor about this is that when you're getting started and you see people doing creative careers, it, I always compare it to you're like a knight who's like looking into the castle and in the castle, they're having these massive jousting tournaments and you're like the best at jousting. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, I could crush it. Like I'm going to go in there and just destroy everybody. Now, the fact of the matter is though, that you have to get through the moat to get into the castle. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you jump into the moat and you're swimming, but you're, you didn't prepare and you're going to drown or the crocodiles are going to get you or you're not a good swimmer. Now you might be the best jouster in the world, but if you're terrible at swimming, if you're terrible at getting through the moat, you don't have a chance. And so the thing about creative careers is, is that they're not all about creativity. They're half about creativity and the other half is about career. The other half is about business and lots of creative people see thriving creatives uh, building this amazing career and they look at the creative work and they think, oh man, I could do that. And they might. They might be really good at creativity. They might be really good at jousting. But if you don't work on your swimming skills, you're never going to get through the mm -hmm. moat. And so the swimming skills are the business skills. And so I found that after three years of working in my creative career and having some lucky breaks, having some wins, ultimately I crashed and burned. And I realized that I'd only ever really said yes to the call to creativity and not to the call of career. And so it was that time that I started diving super deep into the business books, into marketing books, into marketing podcasts and magazines mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And what I ended up finding too was that a lot of the people that are the most successful in business are creative types. And they're kind of yeah. like uh, a lot of those creative people are, you know, people like Steve Jobs, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, th those people are creative people. Oh, absolutely. Their minds are, are creative. Right. And I, as I dove into that, those waters, I realized like, oh, I could actually be amazing at swimming and amazing at jousting. And if I can do both of those things, that's how I can ultimately thrive. Absolutely. And so when it comes to building the Instagram, breaking in with clients, all of that ultimately has come from marketing tactics. So one of the ones that 
you've probably heard a lot about, but I, I don't think there's a lot of good information about how to apply this to creative careers is great content marketing. And so this is just, this could be content for your Instagram. It could be content for YouTube or podcasts or whatever. The first thing that you got to do is it needs to mirror the work that you want to get. It needs to mirror the opportunities that you mm. want to have. You know, I get so many creative people that are like, I'm doing a hundred day project and it's going to be drawing different bugs. And I'm like, okay, what are you hoping <laughs> to happen from that? <laughs> like what, what opportunities drawing bugs are you looking to have? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. I just felt like drawing bugs. And I'm like, yeah, I, I've done that for my old projects were like that. Um, eventually I realized that in order to get the roles that I wanted, I really had to mirror them. I had to prove that I was perfect for them. And I had to do what I call inception marketing, which is place the idea in their head that I'm perfect for the jobs that they have. And so that comes from saying, if I want to do book covers, I need to do a cover, a, a project doing book uh-huh. covers. You know, like I have to take books from the public domain and reinvent them. Or, That's cute. you know, when I wanted to start getting into public speaking, I thought, I should start a podcast. Now, the obvious type of podcast at the time in my industry was just doing an interview podcast, but it did not mirror the opportunities that I was mm-hmm. looking for. And so I created a monologue podcast and I thought, I'll do a hundred of these and there'll be a portfolio of talks and that should be enough to get the ball rolling. And so I'll tell you one other thing when it comes to your content marketing uh, that you need to bake in is generosity. Um, in terms of real tangible value. And the more layers of value that you can add, uh, the more likely it will be to spread. That's and beautiful. my favorite definition of this, this is the most tactical, practical stuff that I probably say, is in the book, The Personal MBA, I think his name is Josh Kaufman who mm-hmm. wrote that. He talks about the core, the five core human drives, which are um, to learn something, to acquire something, to feel something, to bond, and to protect what you already have. And so when it comes to the podcast, I'm always, always, always trying to add as many of those layers as possible to make it kind of undeniably contagious. So I want to teach you something that speaks to your desire to learn. I want you to feel something. I want you to laugh, cry, feel inspired. I want you to bond by, you know, commiserating through my pain or feel seen by me giving you examples of, you know, all that. So anyway, those five human desires, if you can speak to them with your creative projects, your content marketing, you will increase its ability to spread by word of mouth. And I think nothing's going to help you get more followers than people sharing your pics and sharing your stuff on stories and all that kind of stuff. And you can orchestrate that by giving away lots of Yeah, well, you are so obviously generous. Like that's one of the things that comes through throughout this whole discussion is you really just giving a hundred thousand percent of yourself and you do it in such a happy way. You're just happy to do it. So if you guys are not already listening, you have a new podcast to listen to, Creative Pep Talk. You're gonna just gonna get more of Andy and why don't you tell us where to find you, Andy? Sure. My new website that I just launched is called uh, andyjpizza.com. You can find all my stuff on Etsy at creativepeptalk.etsy.com and on 
all the social channels um, at Andy J Pizza. Awesome. And as we're kind of signing off for the day, um, people are listening, you know, on their way to work. Some of them are uh, working out. Anything you want to say to that person who maybe sometimes doesn't feel seen or maybe sometimes feels like this whole creative endeavor might be a pipe dream? Anything you want to say yeah. as we sort of sign off? This is what I want to say. I don't care whether you think we've been put here by some kind of higher power or if you think that we evolved to be the, the way that we are, whichever way you want to slice that. At the very least, your DNA was orchestrated to be completely unique, never ever exist again in the same combination of yours. And because of that, you're one of the most rarest resources on the planet oh just by sheer you know why do we like diamonds why do we like gold it's because they're rare on this planet but nothing is more rare than an individual and the combination of your dna your experience and your experiments is incredibly valuable to lots and lots of people that need what you've got and one of the things that i just am desperate to convince people of is please please put in the time and energy to find your gift develop it and shine it out in the world it is so worth it your future self will be so profusely thankful for you saying yes to that journey and please do because we need that stuff that you're going to make um okay so i think that that is the most important thing that was ever shared on this show ever <laughs> What you just said, I think, would save humanity oh because gosh. I think that what you just said, if every person understood what you just said to be true, which it is, that they are so rare and that what they have to do is something that only that they can do, how much more purpose could you ever find if you walked around hearing that, knowing that, and then pursuing that and, and knowing what would come from that? Um, that is it to me. Like what you just said is, I'm not joking. I'm not overstating it. That is like the antidote, I think, to to the world's problems. So I would love to, you know, do as much as I'm going to be able to do to get that out there far and wide. That was incredibly important. Thank you so much for being here. It's amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm going to fight my self-deprecation uh, reflex <laughs> and just try to accept just that accept compliment. It. Yeah, I hope you do because <laughs> I know you're already out there sharing that, but that is so important. Please keep doing what you do. I don't even know if you understand the magnitude of it, but I'm glad that you feel driven to do it. So thank you. Well, thanks for uh, having me. So how inspiring was that, right? I mean, honestly, I love my job. This never feels like work. I'm sitting here sometimes having these conversations and I'm thinking, I'm so stimulated and excited and encouraged right now. And I want that for all of you, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure you know that, which is why I do this show. But really, I could have talked to Andy for like 10 more hours. So here are some of my favorite takeaways that he shared. Number one, the foundation for great art is built with great taste, and we can develop great creative taste by being open to new experiences. Number two, stop waiting for Hagrid or the fairy art mother to show up. Look in the mirror and figure out what magic is inside of you. Number three, do some research, take some guesses, and take a swing. If you're right, keep going. If you're wrong, don't give up. Just pivot. Number four, don't make what you want to make. Make something that creates an emotion and makes people say, I have to buy this. Number five, your gift is often developed on the search to find it. Number six, change the goal. It's not about doing it perfectly. It's about having a great time. Number seven, you can be amazing at swimming and amazing at jousting. That's ultimately how you'll thrive. Number eight, create content that will lead to the opportunities you envision. The more layers of value you add, the more it'll spread. And number nine, you are one of the rarest resources on the planet. Nothing is more rare than you. So commit to find your gift, develop it, and shine it out in the world. 
So you guys, we have all these takeaways on that cheat sheet I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Plus, there's some discussion questions we'd love for you to, to answer. And you could post your answers in our Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. You can share them in your meetups if you guys are meeting up and, and talking to fellow listeners and encouraging one another and keeping each other accountable. I highly recommend doing that. Or you can message me your answers on Instagram. Come on over there and follow me at kathy.heller and just say, hey, you know, I thought about this question from the cheat sheet this week and it led me down this path and here's a cool idea I had. I really love hearing from you guys. So please reach out. You're never a bother. Um, I'm here for you. I'm here to just be there to say keep going or to give you some encouragement. So you can definitely uh, connect with me easiest on Instagram at kathy.heller. There's a link to the cheat sheet in the show notes on Apple or on our website, don'tkeepyourdayjob.com. There's also going to be a link where you can sign up to join an amazing meetup group and meet other phenomenal souls either in person or you guys can meet up online over like a Skype or Zoom video chat. It's been amazing to hear about all these groups and I think it's really going to give you guys that extra fuel to keep pushing you forward. I love you very much. I'm very, very proud of you. Please keep being messy. Please stop overthinking it. It is going to lead you to where you're supposed to be. And it's going to come and find you on your way and being brave and being messy. You're going to find out that you have so much to share and that you are like two degrees away from making a great living, doing the things that you love doing every day. If you love this episode, please share it with somebody. Um, if there's another episode you love, take a second right now and share it with someone. It would really mean the world to me to share it with one person. It's really the best way to support our show. Plus, it doesn't cost a thing to tell someone else, hey, you know, there's this inspiring podcast I've been listening to, and I think you really get a lot of value from it. So please go ahead and do that. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It takes like a minute and it really changes the algorithm for us and helps us to keep making the show and it keeps giving us more resources. So please go ahead and do that and go ahead and follow me on Instagram. If you want me to follow you back, just DM me and say, hey, Kath, I listen to your show. I'm following you. I'd love you to follow me back and I will go ahead and do that. Thank you for being here. I couldn't be doing this without you. I am so grateful to all of you uh, for giving me so much purpose. It makes me so excited to get up every day and to hear from you. I go and check my phone and it's just so encouraging to see you guys responding to what we're doing. So thank you so much. I'm going to leave you with another song and I'm going to talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Sunday nights, I would go for a drive And the hills were lit up with their twinkling lights There was a place at a table Someone was waiting for everyone but me And then you came along with your bittersweet eyes All of the heartache you'd seen in your time And we met in the middle truth was so simple you made me believe we can fly away home fly away home i used to hide under the sheet